0: What's up everyone and welcome to episode number 38 of the two metal for this podcast. I'm Jason and with me as always is Justin. How's it going everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. We want to start out by saying thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by doing any or all of the following things. Give us a five star rating wherever you listen to the podcast. This will help us out tremendously. You can give us a like or a follow on Facebook and Instagram at 2Metal for this. And lastly, just share the podcast with your friends and family and help us spread the word. This week, we want to shout out some of our supporters. Shout out to Beaumont Sabos, Mm -hmm. Travis Baker, and RL Jarvis. All right. We appreciate you guys. We do. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing our spotlight album, Take Me Back to Eden from Sleep Token, and we'll be discussing bands from Florida. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the news. The news.
1: Five Finger Death Punch frontman Ivan Moody recently had hernia surgery. That he's had some complications with, which has forced the band to pull out of all of their scheduled shows until at least June 12th. This includes their European dates on Metallica's 72 Seasons Tour, where they've been replaced with Epica. It also includes their download festival performance June 8th. Yeah, singing with a hernia,
2: that's probably not good.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it was a hernia. I thought it was still from his eye being messed up. I just because I just saw that he had health issues. Yeah, and I know he had like some shit with his eye where he got a laser in his eye or something. He
2: still sing with a fucking
0: well, yeah, he did. Eye, he, but like he, a that yeah, that's fucking Tough, Ooh, yeah.
2: So
1: get well, sir, or don't, whatever. Just saying. Lorna Shore will hit the road again for a small four date headline run with the Acacia Strain, and I am in support. Not me, but the band I am. The four dates are September 3rd in Wichita, Kansas, September 5th in Huntsville, Alabama, September 6th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and September 7th in Greensville, South Carolina. All right. Ice Nine Kills have announced a few headline dates this fall that they are calling the Fear the Premiere Tour. Those dates include August 8th in Columbus, Ohio, August 9th in Cleveland, Ohio, August 11th in Toronto. Those shows will have August Burns Red. Velamaya and Mike's dead in support before August Burns Red and Velamaya are replaced with set it off and the pilot in you for the remainder of the tour, which runs August 15th in Louisville, Kentucky, August 16th in Nashville, Tennessee, August 22nd in Houston, Texas, August 23rd in Austin, Texas, and August 29th in Riverside, uh, California, uh, before they wrap up September 1st in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Real quick. In between these dates, Ice Nine Kills has five shows supporting Metallica and two supporting Lamb of God. You can also catch Ice Nine Kills this summer on the Popular Months tour with Falling in Reverse starting June 26th in Charleston, West Virginia and ending July 30th in Redding, California. Really busy year
0: for Ice Nine Kills. They need to quit being so busy so they can make a follow up album. It's time to get off the road. Mm, I'd like to see them at least one more time before they do that. No, I want more music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, me, my thing. All right. Corey Taylor has a new album out called CMF2 on September 15th. The lead single titled Beyond is out now. Corey will head out on a 28-day US tour with Wargasm as the main support. And Oxymorons and Luna Aura will be splitting the opening slot starting... August 25th in Denver through September 13th in Boston. Oxymorons will be the opener. And then Luna Aura will join the tour from September 15th in Wallingford, Connecticut
0: through October 5th in Los Angeles. I will be at the show in Orlando. So if you come up and say hi, I'll give you a sticker. I'll have my TMFT shirt on. <laughs> cool. Stickers are cool. Get a fucking sticker, people. The Metalcore
1: Dropouts Tour will be co-headlined by The Devil Wears Prada and Fit for a King with Counterparts and Landmarks opening. Tour starts September 15th in Anaheim, California and ends October 19th in Las Vegas. Butcher Baby's new double album titled Eye for an Eye and Till the World's Blind will be released July 7th. The first single, Red Thunder, is streaming now. (laughs) The Jackpot Juicer Tour will be headlined by Dance Gavin Dance, also featuring Sim, Rain City Drive, and Within Destruction. It starts August 24th in Tempe, Arizona, and ends October 4th in Detroit. And I still want somebody to tell me what the appeal is for Dance Gavin Dance. So if you like this band, hit the comments up because I'd like to know. Well, hopefully people that like that band don't listen to our show. I agree. Yeah. Shame on you if you like yeah. Dance Gavin Dance. Just Sam. <laughs> Last week, we talked about Nita Strauss going on a headline solo run this summer. Mm -hmm. She has now announced who the vocalist will be with her on that tour. And that is Casey Carlson. She's known on TikTok and Instagram for her vocal covers of many different styles, but also has her own band called Deadlands. Uh, The tour will start June 13th in Nashville and ends July 14th in New Orleans. Lions at the Gate will open. Chris Jericho has filed for the trademarks for Fozzy Fest and Foz Fest. Jericho has previously promoted a very successful Rock and Rager at Sea Cruise with the fifth installment set to sail January 26th through the 30th of next year. I'm personally very interested to see where this is going. How big is Jericho trying to make this festival? And will it tour or is it just maybe one spot? I guess stay tuned. I would hope it'd be a tour. He's a fucking wrestling guy. This, his whole life is fucking tricking
2: around the world and shit. Why would he not want to do that? I'm down for or it. Just or just, that could be the uh, opposite of it, that he would want to pick a one spot, kind of like a Vegas gig where you stayed in one place. And I don't know.
0: I guess he can go either way. As long as Fozzy isn't the headliner, I'm interested. Right. But yeah, when you say the name Foz Fest, that definitely does make you think of a touring festival because- Like yeah, Oz Fest. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So, so that would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. As long as he doesn't fill it with a bunch of butt rock bullshit. Mm, He's pretty metal as far
2: as like a fan. I think he's all over the place. Like, you know, if you give give him the opportunity, I don't think he's
0: going to fuck it up. Yeah. Well, sorry. I know it's your festival, Jericho, but can you not have Fozzie on it? (laughs) I mean, I think they'll be on there. They just don't Mm. need the headline. I know. They'll be
2: after many more. There'll be many more than Fozzie and and the rest of the fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. am going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right, here we go. Red Eyed Colt, Unit 61. Five songs, 42 minutes, stoner doom, three piece from England. Dirty vocals, fat bass, sick guitar, rockin' drums. The sludge is unbelievable, and at times has this cool swing to it. These dudes sound fucking awesome, and I'd love to see them live. If you like High on Fire, then we should hang out. We should also check out the new album, debut album, sorry, Unit 61 by Red-Eyed Colt. That's a solid five upside-down pentagrams. Herod, Iconoclass, Eight songs, 51 minutes, uh, unorthodox metal from New York. So these guys have had a handful of albums and have many changes in the lineup and their sound changes each fucking time. This one, uh, the elements got a lot of different genres, but unlike a hasfer, none of this sounds experimental. This shit is well thought out. It's heavy. It's melodic. It's got cool grooves. And it was just really interesting to listen to because I had no idea where they were going to fucking go. Uh, while everything did not land with me, I would really like to hear more shit like this. This isn't the really weird shit I suggest from time to time, but if you're looking for something a bit different, then I highly recommend the new album Iconoclast from Herod. Solid five upside down pentagrams. Dozer, Drifting in the Endless Void. Seven songs, 43 minutes, Swedish stoner metal. Always like these dudes. And fucking shit, goddamn, if this ain't the best thing they've ever fucking done. Everything is improved. The production is amazing. They definitely matured as musicians and songwriters. Stoner Grooves are here and they're fucking killer. Cool riffs. Always been a fan of Frederick Norton's vocals, but he's had uh, some fucking weird shit on this one. Uh, what are you gonna do? Their new drummer, Sebastian Olsen, he's totally badass and adds so much to this fucking goddamn band. Great album from veterans of the scene. Check out the new one from Dozer, Drifting in the Endless Void. Five and a half upside down pentagrams. That's all I got this week. Stay curious, motherfuckers. Can take me back to eden 12 songs 64 minutes of weird radio rock from england it's their third album it's the last in a trilogy supposed to be some sort of big story or something going on uh in theory the lineup is the same they all wear masks and say they're anonymous so uh whatever didn't give a shit anyways uh this album starts pretty slow About two minutes into the first track, Choke Cold, when it uh, kicks in, I guess, I wanted to laugh at this ridiculous band, but then I immediately realized I had 62 minutes of this shit show to go. And I got kind of mad, and I remembered you two fucks are listening to this also, so then I got excited to hear who's going to say the funniest fucking shit. So, (laughs) I'll go first. Nobody in this band can write a fucking song. So what they do is they come up with, like, a riff or some lyrics or whatever, and then they spin a wheel to see what genre they're going to attempt, and then they butcher everything in said attempt, throw those warbling, whiny-ass vocals over it, and then spin the wheel again, and so on. And by all means, put every effort into avoiding any sort of consistency or direction, slap on some ambiguous masks, and call that shit art. what do you guys think of Sleep Token?
0: I got more. I mean, you already win, I think. That was, pretty, <laughs> that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, it's going to get better. I mean, for me, I just didn't, I didn't know what to make of the album. It's, right? It's being marketed to people that like metal and hard rock. Mm. And I don't understand that because that's a really small aspect of what they actually do. Mm-hmm. It's basically, to me, pop music. But it's not the kind of pop music you dance to. It's the type of pop music that you listen to when your girlfriend just dumped you and you just got fired on your day off. Mm. It's not a fun listen. (laughs) I mean, you talked about Chokehold. I guess it's kind of a decent way to start the album like it did end with some distorted guitars, uh, but very low energy Mm. way to start an album. Oh, yeah. Very monotonous going
1: through that first song there. Yeah. There's aspects I like. There's a lot of stuff that I don't. They released six of these twelve tracks before the album came out. Those six tracks, if there are better ones, are probably the better ones on the album. I do somewhat enjoy the track The Summoning. There's a part in that song about four minutes fifty in or something where it just like drops out into some like elevator mm-hmm. type weirdness yeah and like it's like a different song and i don't i i it doesn't flow
0: but there's something about it that i liked hmm. weirdly so you like when u2 makes metal music no i'm
1: not saying i like <laughs> this overall i like that one. <laughs> but there was something different and unique there that i can kind of respect hmm. And then you hear Bobby's description at the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I think you're pretty fucking spot on with what this band is, though.
2: This is what Jared Leto listens to while he jerks off the pictures of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Keller would be a huge fucking fan of this.
1: The last 30 seconds of the title track are pretty cool. If I was in this band, I would also wear a mask
2: and not tell anybody my name. (laughs) Are we counting you down? Is this a... This music is for the teenage suburban middle child whose crush has no fucking clue they exist because they're struggling with the crushing weight of being a fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If someone asked me what pretentiousness sounds like, I'd say this. This motherfucker sings, Do you wish that you love me?
1: Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Do you guys notice how he enunciates words? He says shit like, real weird. Like he'll say... uh that's an example. Like when he says chokehold, the D comes out like way after it should. Like yeah, he said the whole is. word, and then all of a sudden you hear like a t- after it, like five seconds after the word said. It's very bizarre. The yeah. D is definitely in here more than it should be.
0: Yeah. yeah, man. But there's some weird shit on here for real. So there, like, if there is a highlight of the album, it's when it's over. It's the song Vor. Mm. This one though, they're like. They're essentially taking a page from Deftone's book, but I think they literally took a page and ripped it out. It made a few minor cosmetic changes, and it's basically a Deftone song from start to finish. I do kind of like that vocal with that type of music, but again, like it's just in this song just doesn't make any sense with the rest of this album. Speaking of ripping off Deftones, is
1: it at the beginning of The Summoning where it sounds almost exactly like you've seen The Butcher? Yeah,
0: I believe it is The Summoning, yes.
1: Which is a Deftone song.
0: Mm. And then there's songs like Ascensionism, which it sounds like a Christian praise song. And then it gets to the end and there's a little bit of quote-unquote heavy guitars. They have nothing to do with the song. They just put them in there so that they could say they did something different. Like spin the wheel. It, yeah, I, I just don't get it. You got the uh, what is the D Y W? Don't you wish that you love me? Don't you wish yep. you yeah. love me? The fuck. The fucking shitty auto tune vocals on there. That is terrible, man. It's not good
2: at all. Nothing. Didn't like anything. It was fucking terrible. An hour and five minutes of it. So, Bobby, what are your closing thoughts on this album? Take me back to Eden. The latest by sleep token is a fucking one. Six. You giving it a six? No, oh, I'm counting you down. You I, gave it a one. I said all those fucking things. Humor well, is a positive see, thing. See. You laugh, therefore it counted as positive. Those were six of them. I snuck it in there, you fucking cocksuckers. Good
0: job. <laughs> it's a cop out. Cop out. Is it? It's a cop you got out. anything good to say about this album? Um, I like the masks and I, stuff. I, I could probably get I could probably give six positives if I had to, but I'm not giving it a one. So, so, I don't ever want to hear this again. I gave this album two listens. <laughs> it, really it was tough. God it damn. was not uh, it was not an easy album for mm-hmm. me to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing on here that I necessarily hated, but I'm clearly not the target audience for this band. There's moments here and there that I liked but they are very just brief moments. And honestly, I just don't have the level of patience that it takes to consume, let alone enjoy this album. Whomever's behind the band is obviously a marketing genius because a lot of people are taking the bait here, but I don't see a scenario where I'd ever seek this album out and listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I give it a three out of six. I give it the, the old prong. Prong that prong in it. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's not like I wasn't miserable listening to it. I was but, it's, it's but, like
2: when you ride in a car with somebody and you listen to the ten seconds on the radio and change the station and then the ten seconds and they change the station and <laughs> that's what this fucking yeah. album sounds like. It was just
0: for me like the whole tempo of the album and the mood of the album it did not it did not make me feel good. like this is an album that I would listen to, and instead of it like having that healing quality of like a lot of the stuff we listen to, Mm. where it makes you feel better. This album would make me jump off a bridge. (laughs) If I was like on the, if I was on the fence, do I want to live or die? And I heard one of these very slow paced songs. That's it. That would be the turning point. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't like that. I I like music. That's going to, you know not make you kill yourself Me right, too. Right. the
1: album doesn't have a very good flow to it either as Mm-mm. you said chokehold's not it's a good opener terrible. like
0: it's way too slow to open an album with but but again like throw it in a few screams here and there and some distorted guitars does not make a rock or a metal album like this is a pop album mm-hmm. and it like I said it's the boring kind of like I'm gonna make sweet love to my lady or I'm gonna cry my eyes out because my lady just left me like there's no in between, and there's nothing about it that like makes you feel good. I don't understand why everybody wants to listen. I feel to It's like it. the lady left him because he um, listens to this music. This band has a I, ton of hype right now, and I don't. Because they wear masks I'm and not shit. That's all of it, it right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's talented people here. Like, obviously, the guy can sing. You know, he's. You mm. can't make a pop song. You know, I mean, he he could sing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's just not for me. I I don't get it. I don't understand the hype. And I guess I'm not the person that they're trying to reach, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm the fucking ugly metalhead guy that listens to <laughs> oh, shitty oh, stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you're pretty ugly. Yeah. Well, it's a quality of being a metalhead. Like, <laughs> they're not good looking people. <laughs> the fuck? I'm handsome as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think like... uh
1: If you go into this album with a metal mindset, you're definitely setting yourself up to absolutely hate it because it's (laughs) by no means metal, regardless of some screams here or there, some guitars. It's it's not metal. There's heavy moments, but it blends many styles and often borders on some like progressive pop sound or something. Uh, If you go into it with an open mind, get your levels right and let your ears dive deep into the sound, you might enjoy it. Don't turn the songs off if you don't like to start because the song, as Bobby mentioned, takes hard turns and progresses into something else. So maybe there'll be something you like. If you want to experiment and reach out and try to push your boundaries. Yeah, but I don't I don't want to have to work for my riffs. Like I, I just want them yeah. to be right out there
0: where I can hear them. I agree.
1: This is definitely not for everyone. Uh, if you don't have an open mind or like different styles, you will hate this guaranteed, and I don't recommend it. Uh, for those of you who like a little bit of experimental sounds and different things, you may enjoy this. For me, I'm somewhere in the middle because it didn't grab my attention very much, but I didn't necessarily want to turn it off. It's like not bad background music that doesn't really distract necessarily, but doesn't keep me interested it if I'm just listening to the album on its own.
0: Doesn't always lead anywhere. That's the problem. A yeah. lot of these songs, like a few of them, like build up to some grand thing, and a lot of them, just hold that same boring yep. ass tempo. There's hold there's it. like no payoff in a lot of it. Yeah. So
1: that makes it makes it tough.
0: Yeah. It can uh, be blue balls.
1: It is interesting, <laughs> but as I said, I think Bobby kind of nailed it on the head. It's almost like they all do different styles and they're just like, let's just put them all into one. And don't really have a song behind it. Irony structure. Um, there's nothing else quite like it right now. I think we all agree with that, for better or worse. So I do respect them for trying something different at the end of the day this is probably one of the hardest albums i had to rate because i'm still unsure how i actually feel about it there's a lot here to unpack uh but for now i give it a three out of
0: six pronging it pronged it two threes and a one Mm. get ready folks i have a feeling we're gonna have a very similar review when the new avenge sevenfold album comes out everyone this week we're going to be talking about bands from florida because we're from florida and it's hot here and Fuck. we want to talk about bands that came from where we live
2: swamp ass will create some beautiful fucking art i tell you that much thick
0: humidity yeah, and metal god damn orange juice is good too so we will eventually be making our ways to talking about music from other states but we got to start with our home state first hey, man and sure. I want to tell everyone, as we get into talking about bands from Florida, there will be some glaring omissions. So keep in mind that we will be doing a full death metal episode at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can. We fucking better, right? Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> so don't yell at us and tell us how we left out obituary and tell us how we left out deicide and, mm. and how we left out death. Like, they'll, they'll have a place. We'll get to it. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, we each picked two bands that we thought were a good representation of what Florida has to offer. Some of us like these bands better than others. That's true. But Mm. collaboratively, we all listened to some tunes from these bands, and we're going to tell you a little bit about them. So uh, I'm going to start out. first band I picked was Nonpoint. Nonpoint is an alternative metal band from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Often associated with new metal, but I think they've transcended that a long time ago. Definitely got some new metal tunes. I'm not saying they don't, but they've kind of moved past that tag at this point. They were founded in 1997 by their drummer Rob Rivera and vocalist Elias Soriano. And those are the only two original members remaining at this point. I heard some different stories on how the band got their name. If you look at Wikipedia... It'll tell you that they took that name from a Believer song. But I've also seen an old documentary of Nonpoint. Don't ask me the name of the documentary because I don't remember. It was called Nonpoint. But they joked about uh, how they took that name from a teacher that they had in in school that had a nub for a finger. (laughs) And when people would get in trouble, he would try to point at them. But it wasn't an actual point. It was a nonpoint. So I like, I don't I know, like that. St- I like that's that story. story I'm fucking going. That's the story I like to go with. I don't know. <laughs> More times than not, bands just find some shit oh, that sounds the cool. They just go mm-hmm. with it. But uh, either way, name doesn't make the band. But Non Point has built quite a reputation for themselves over the years. Mm-hmm. Got over a million monthly listeners on Spotify, and quite a few hits throughout their career. Uh, Their first major label release was 2000's Statement. And this was the first album that I had heard from the band. Uh, As I often used to do, I kind of picked this one up randomly at a record store and decided to check it out. I was pretty impressed from the first listen. Uh, Kicks off with the song Mind Trip, which is a really cool intro to the band. This was definitely uh, as new metal as the band ever got. Um, Mm -hmm. At its root, though, it's still kind of a hard rock album. Uh, but it did have some of those new metal breakdowns and some of the rappy stuff that you associate with new metal. Uh, but the guitar work stood out to me right away because it was different than any of the other new metal stuff that uh, that some of the other bands were doing. And Elias' vocals always stood out to me because they were always like kind of jazzy. He's got a unique way that he flows over the music. And when you hear a non-point song, it's instantly recognizable for that reason. He doesn't do the stuff that you would expect, like, You know, a lot of singers would do something completely different, a little bit more generic. Mm -hmm. And he kind of has this weird, you know, almost poetic type flow that he does over these songs. So Mm -hmm. the first album uh, had still one of the band's biggest hits, which was What a Day. Still gets regular radio play (laughs) uh, and also some of my favorite nine point tracks, which are Endure and Back Up. And another track that's uh, kind of a deep cut is Hive. Mm -hmm. And this one stands out to me because it's got little hints of funk, a little bit of jazz, a little tiny bit of thrash in there. Uh, Have you guys heard any of these songs?
2: Yes. Uh, 2000, that's pretty much prime time for new metal. Mm -hmm. But uh, when these guys first came out, I called it like Southern New Metal because it's kind of got that, you know, Southern rock kind of stank on it like you even yeah. mentioned it like with the riffing and they do solos and shit which you didn't really find so much in the new metal but uh i always liked non-point but i always would forget about them.
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: like
2: right. uh, i think i got onto him with the napster you know fucking finding shit and you know i wasn't a big fan of the new metals but when i was around i was searching on the non-point was fucking cool and you were saying about the singer um And I mean this in the best way. He's kind of a mix between Chester, Chino, and Bradley Knoll. And yet somehow is unique in his own way. But he's got that weird reggae swing to how he's going in and out of the fucking song. And uh, I always thought he was pretty. He brought a different element. I, I feel like a lot of the singers in New Metal wanted to do what he is just doing naturally. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, just, a, that's just, just his style person. of that's how I get down, people. But every, like a lot of other new metal were like trying to eat these different fucking songs to try and nail that. I think, uh, uh non point was a great fucking, uh, yeah, they came out of the new metal and it sucks you get lumped in with that, but they were, they were cool, man. He's got a very unique vocal. It's as you said, instantly recognizable. It's unique, you know, but you it has those you know elements and other right things, so. but in the best way. Like I bet he would do great as a Deftones cover or a fucking Linkin Park cover or a oh, goddamn sure. fucking any reggae song or uh, Sublime. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. he's just—it's
0: a weird range he has, and uh, yeah, I like that dude. Yeah, it's really interesting that you brought up the Bradley Noel thing because I, I had never thought about that, but I can totally see it now. Yeah, he does have that little bit of reggae swag, and and he's got like that mm-hmm. kind of soul in his voice. Like mm-hmm, that. it's that Latin flair that he brings in mm-hmm. there. So they also end this album with a really cool track uh, called "Tribute," where it's it's a medley of "Children's Story" by Slick Rick, <laughs> "Woo Ha" by Buster Rhymes, mm-hmm. and "Method Man" by Wu Tang. It, it's a pretty fun way to end the album. Not gonna lie, it's it's pretty cool. Especially if you like some of that old school hip-hop, you, you'll you like it. And again,
2: 2000, all those songs matched. That was a fucking, you know, that's pretty killer. Yeah, right that there. was
0: the thing. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. So uh, their second album, Development, was released two years later in 2002. Uh, it spawned a couple of hits. It had Signs and Circles. Circles was actually featured on the NASCAR Thunder 03 game. Oh, yeah. So, uh, going around in circles. Lots of left turns. So, yeah. All yeah. right. It makes sense. I like it. Uh, They released their third album in 04. That's my personal favorite album in the band's discography. And it definitely kicks off with a banger uh, with the song The Same. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one Mm -hmm. definitely sets the stage for what's to come on this album. From my opinion, it's a perfect opener. Uh, What do you guys think? Do you agree?
2: You like those lyrics, uh, Justin? On the same. We're all the same. Yeah, I heard them lyrics, and then I just thought of you and, like, you know, going through some stuff, and everybody's the same. They're saying they're not, but they're either same, and you're, you know, doing your thing. And I was like, fucking get some, Justin. I like it. It's a good song.
0: I, I like that song. All right, cool, man. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the very reason why that is my favorite album. Uh, I was going through a lot of shit back then, and, you know, there's a really positive message throughout. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this album is the reason that I have a non-point tattoo on the back of my neck. Straight to the point, too, you know? Yeah.
2: But, yeah, I tried to listen to the lyrics a bit more on these uh, projects here, and I was like, yeah, I see where you guys are going with it. Yeah, I'm just saying.
0: That one definitely has some really, it's it's definitely the more personal. uh, I feel like I heard what you heard,
2: if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, cool. And of course, we gotta mention, you, you gotta, know, they had uh, another one of their biggest hits, which was their cover of Phil Collins' "In the Air Tonight." Mm. Uh, really solid cover. If you've never heard it, definitely, I love, definitely check that out. I love that cover almost as much as the original. I blasphemy, but I, I mean, I really like it. No, a lot. it's very close. It's I'm up like there. Most
1: people really they
2: nail that cover. It's you know, uh, they really.
1: That's like I. Prefer listening to it. I'm
0: just over. saying, it's a
2: song that's covered a lot, but usually it's pretty good, man. That you know, you don't go in there and fuck that one up. You better don't. no. You got to you know? stay.
0: That's one where you can't, veer, uh, you can't veer too far mm-hmm. from the original, yeah, because it's gonna piss people off. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. So
1: uh, yeah, everybody.
0: <laughs> they just gave the original just a little bit more edge and yeah. let a little bit more but you stank on there a little for, bit. Yeah, that's it cool. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so after that album, they released "To the Pain" in 2005. And that spawned the biggest song of the band's career to date, which is "Bullet with a Name." It's a pretty fucking great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think, though? Does it live up to the hype? It is their most streamed song on Spotify. Well, I guess that lives
2: up to the hype. Then I don't. That's not my favorite song, but if that's the numbers, and yeah, uh, again, that song's got that weird reggae swing to it on the vocals. But I like in the middle when they chop up that groove. All of a sudden, it gets real staccato for like just a few measures. And then they never do it again in the fucking song. I, I like little shit like that, man. Yeah. That's a cool one, man. It's one
0: that'll get the crowd singing along. Yeah, my my actual like favorite it. on that album is Alive and Kicking. Mm-hmm. That's that's my favorite song. Uh, it's got a little bit of that kind of jazzy flow to it. It's really bass driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, it's a, it's another example where Elias' vocal flow is just different. It, it just does weird things that other people might not think to do. And, and like you said, now I hear, it like, I hear the reggae, like, type vibe that I, I mean, I've always heard it, but I never, like, made that comparison. Right. Real
2: yeah. quick to touch on the bullet with a name that you've seen them live a few times. Oh, yeah. Do yeah. they play that? Is that the one they play all the time? Like, it's the yeah. one, right? it's usually the closer, yeah. yeah. The it's, crowd fucking it's, yeah. loses it and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. Cool.
0: that's That's the song.
2: Mm. Gotta like that. Play the fucking one. Do Ace of Spades. Yeah. Play it
0: play the fucking track Man, I mean,
2: <laughs> play your fucking
0: song why am I why am I here so uh a funny funny thing about that too um that particular album for a, a long period of time uh, I guess there was some back and forth with the record label and mm-hmm. they would not put that one on streaming <laughs> so all of the rest of the band's discography has been on streaming services for years and years that album just went up like maybe two years ago. And that song shot up over all of the other songs. Like, hmm. that's how big of a song it is for the band. So. Yeah. Yeah, so the numbers would be even higher if it was on there the whole time. Right. Like, way higher. Yeah. yeah. Right. And a uh, cool thing, like I heard them saying in an interview, that that's one of the albums that they now own the masters for. So they're making, oh, they're yeah. making bank on that. Ah, that's how they
1: got it on streaming. They recorded yeah. it, basically, probably.
0: No, they had to fight to get it back. Oh, they, okay. That's, that's gotcha. my understanding. So hmm. uh, Nonpoint's got 10 studio albums, okay. an EP, a live album. I'm not going to go through the whole discography, but a few other songs I just wanted to kind of shout out that you could check out. Uh, Everybody Down from 2007's Vengeance. That's a cool one. Uh, definitely, if you're having a shitty day at work or something, like that's a cool one to listen to. They have a really solid cover of Pantera's Five Minutes Alone. Uh, that's on the 2010 Miracle album. That's definitely worth checking out. And their 2016 album, The Poison Red, That's one of my favorite albums from their newer stuff. It had the single generation idiot. That's a cool one. Uh, Obviously a lot of uh, political commentary on that one, uh, but not picking a side in either way. They're pretty good about that. Uh, There's also a deep cut on this album called El Diablo. Mm -hmm. That is uh, one of the better songs on the album. This one's, uh, it's a little bit funky and it's one of the many songs where uh, the lyrics are part English, part Spanish. Have you guys checked that one out?
2: That's uh, one of my favorite fucking songs about a band that's uh, it's all in threes, like Latin jazz style. I love grooves in threes. Uh, it's got the tribally drums and uh, but the song's got some seven dust elements in there around the breakdown, which is cool, man. I always fucking like that one. Uh, it's been on some playlists, man. El Diablo.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned seven. I mean, that's a band I would put in a similar category yeah. as nonpoint, just consistent. You know, and just, you know what you're going to get when you put on a, a non-point album. Um, so, I mean, I'll admit, like, over the years, I, you know, there was certain periods of time where I didn't follow the band as closely as I as I used to. Mm. Uh, but when I went on that Shiprock cruise last year, and I've, I mean, I've seen them two, three times on Shiprock, but something about this past year just reignited my, uh, my love for this band. And I can literally pinpoint it to a specific song, and seeing it live was the song "Milestone" hmm. uh, from 2018's X album, or 10, depending <laughs> on uh, if it's me depending or, Justin, if which one or is it? Um, But "Milestone," yeah, like that song. I don't know what it was, but something about that song resonated to me. And when we got back in the car to drive home, I probably played it two, three times on repeat. Have you guys heard that song?
2: Yeah, it's got a really cool solo on there. It's super simple, but it's got a lot of character to it. And it's uh, like, again, uh, the new metals, you didn't get a lot of solos and stuff. So it was cool to hear that. And it was almost kind of Soundgarden-y. Like, they'll do just a simple little solo at you and then just have some stank on it. And it sounds just so fucking cool. Adds such a new element to the song. And, you know, like I said, you don't hear the cool solos and that style often, so until it's cool
1: as the milestone man as the band has evolved a new milestone
0: yeah and and they have evolved and i didn't get into all the in and outs of the lineup and stuff but they did start as a four-piece they're now a five-piece i think having that extra guitar player definitely added some heaviness and added Mm -hmm. a, a little bit they've got a little bit more technical they're not that type of band, really. Uh, they just, they're good at writing hooks and, you know, making fun rock songs. That's really what they do. And shit's catchy. But, uh. Get the crowd bouncing. Yeah. Um, overall, I I think Nonpoint is, uh, one of the Florida bands that I respect the most. Uh, these dudes work their asses off. Like, they tour nonstop. And they've never lost touch with their fan base. Uh, I have had a chance to meet them, uh, two, three times over the years. They're always just super cool, down to earth dudes. They like interacting with their fans. It's probably why they're one of the one of the bands that has been on ship rock the most because they like they like to hang out with their people and and have a good time and talk music. So uh, if you're not familiar with Nonpoint or maybe you wrote them off because you thought they were just some silly new metal band or something, uh, they have an extensive catalog. There's something there that you're probably gonna like. So we've talked about a lot of the good songs here. There's still a lot more where that came from. I recommend giving them a shot. Check them out. So what you got for us, Justin? Uh, I have uh, Trivium. who are from Orlando,
1: Florida. The origins of Trivium began in 1999 when Matt Heafy was spotted at his eighth grade talent show performing Metallica's No Leaf Clover, uh, which would lead to Heafy auditioning with singer Brad Luter and drummer Travis Smith to become the lead guitar player before he eventually took over vocals for Looter later that year. In uh, 2002, they went into the studio to record their debut album, Ember to Inferno. After the album was recorded, Corey Blau would join on lead guitar. In 2004, Paolo Gregoletto joined as the band's bassist. Shortly later, they signed on to Roadrunner Records and began recording 2005's Ascendancy. At that time, Hefe, Paolo... We're just 19 years old. Corey was 22 and Travis was 23. To me, it's incredible what these guys were doing at such a young age. Uh, this album is where I discovered the band. Uh, the album was super thrashy, had some metalcore elements, uh, some standout tracks on there: A Rain, Pull Harder on the Strings of Your Martyr, A Gunshot to the Head of Trepidation. And the most streamed song from the album was their ballad, Dying in Your Arms. You guys familiar with this one or any of them songs?
2: uh rain's fucking killer man it's uh got really cool testament parts in the beginning and uh it's got the super tight double bass on there yeah man uh tribune's pretty cool kind of thrashy kind of grooved. and they got a little bit of poppy bullshit in there uh mixed with some straight up just rock they're kind of all over the place and uh they do pretty well though
0: yeah rain was pretty much my uh, it was my introduction to the band because uh I had never heard any songs. And one of you guys back in the day probably Maybe. gave me a burnt <laughs> copy of the album. Mm-hmm. And you said, said, Hey, you got to listen to this. So, you know, there's an intro and then rain kicks on and I'm like, man, it was like perfect timing. Like I was so deep down the metal core rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And this band just hit all the right buttons for me. They had the technical riffing, vicious screaming, double bass. And, you know, those good old sing along clean choruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the song. Like if if somebody said I'd never heard Trivium before, I would play Rain for them. Definitely.
1: It's it's in your face right away. And especially if you, uh, if you let the intro play before it, that acoustic little opening kind of calm you and a false sense of security before that song just blasts you in the face. It's really cool.
0: I honestly never was able to really get into the first album, the Ember to Inferno. But, uh, you know, this, this was like the fully realized version of the band i think and they weren't quite there oh, ember man. Ember to inferno was very raw i mean you figure if he and uh paulo
1: were 19 for this one they were you know 17 16 years old when they did Ember. It was them still experimenting and trying to figure out who they were and what their sound was
2: yeah but like uh the gunshot to the
1: head of trepidation like, that's a good one
2: really shows off hefe's ability to do all these different styles and flow effortlessly between them like he it sounds like he feels comfortable doing all this shit like it's not an experiment like he knows what he's trying to do and he puts it all together pretty fucking well man like he's a great songwriter.
1: Uh i love the solo and gunshot it's one of my favorite solos ever and then it goes into them hey hey
0: hey chance where he channels his uh james hetfield mm-hmm Right. And actually, that was one of my takeaways. Uh, and and Bobby kind of touched on it. This blending of all the different styles and influences, it feels natural. It doesn't feel, Forced. you know, it's not yeah. like fucking sleep token where we're just mm. throwing shit in there because mm-hmm. this is a dude that's wearing his influences on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it in that song. You can hear a little bit of kill switch, but you can hear a whole lot of Metallica. Yeah. You know, and they that was a... That was a big part of their sound early on. And, you know, as we get it further into their career, they display those influences a little bit more. Some Sometimes more than others. Ascendancy is uh, still my favorite
1: Trivium album to this day. Uh, the deluxe edition of that has what is, in my opinion, the best Metallica cover ever done, and that's uh, Master of Puppets. Uh, it's incredible if you haven't heard it. They do the song as good, if not better, than Metallica does. Oh, shit. I said it.
0: He said, if not better. (laughs)
1: Mm, (laughs) Hey, they they shred that song. Um, They would immediately follow it up with The Crusade in 2006, which would begin the every other album trend for Trivium with me. Uh, This album wasn't bad, but I guess it's uh, kind of their equivalent of the Black Album where it became a little more produced, maybe a lot more produced, a little too much for me. Hmm. Uh, to the Rats is still one of the standout tracks from the album. That's a good uh, but my favorite is the eight-minute instrumental closer, The Crusade. What do you guys yeah. feel about that album?
0: Metallica Jr. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't yeah. know what else I could say about The Crusade. It's Metallica Jr. Uh, I mean, he, he
2: definitely loves James <laughs> Hetfield's style of vocals, and that's cool. I mean, if you're going to fucking... Sing, that's a cool way of singing. At least like the early era of James Hetfield style. Uh, I got no problem with that. Um, Yeah, man, Trivium's cool. They progressed. They didn't suck. I mean, they kind of go here and there, and some fans like this one don't like that one. They're doing the Metallica. Like you fucking said, they made their own black. That's how Metallica they are. Um, But I got no problem with Trivium. Here's a little trivia for you. Ken Andrews, the new guitarist for obituary, used to be Trivium's guitar tech. Oh, yeah. So there's that. So good job for everybody there. Keeping it in Florida. Yeah. Fucking yeah. goddamn right.
0: Florida keeping it in the family. And, uh, I
2: mean, you hear the new solos he's kicking out. It's kind of, you know, he's been hanging out with them guys. Like I said, the uh, hefies all over the, even his solos don't sound the same each song. You know, he kind of got the hard rock
1: one. Then will have some technical mm-hmm. fruit noodling. And he's all over the place, man. Every album sounds just a little bit different. About two years after uh, The Crusade was released, they would follow it up with Shogun, which would be their last with drummer Travis Smith. And then that began the revolving door of drummers that has followed to this day. Uh, Hefe, Paulo, and Corey have remained the strong trio that hold the band together, though. Uh, Shogun was a force. It was much heavier than The Crusade. Uh, Matt brings back more screaming. The drums are... Border on death metal at times here features one of their best openers in Cursuit Goman may have said that wrong, but it's a great song. Go check it out. It also has insurrection throws a perdition and one of the most killer tracks that they've ever done. That's down from the sky, a breakdown about three minutes and 20 seconds into that is just fucking brutal. That is a cool one. When I listen to that, it makes me
2: think they should have done something with the guy from shadows fall.
1: Well, okay. Totally, yeah. totally. And, uh, yeah, like,
2: there's on I mean, the same time frame too. And then like right, and then like the last 30 seconds gets real fucking deathy. I like that one, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. The band is still super tight there, and they're doing all the tricks that they were doing before. The main thing that stood out to me, which it kind of ties in with the Shadows Fall reference a little bit, is I think that Hefe's vocals, he kind of honed it in a little bit, especially on the harshes. This is where he was like really learning to enunciate, and it you could always understand him when he did the cleans, but you could understand everything that he was saying, and it added like this extra layer of just like catchiness and kind of sing along type stuff that was missing from some of their older work. So that's
2: what I'm saying over the catalog. You can hear that he obviously was paying attention on tour what songs, what's working, what's not. On the next album, I'm going to try this, and then I'll, I'll pull this back. That didn't work. This is working. We'll try that some more. Here's a new thing. The next album, maybe that thing didn't work. Like, they, they fucking pay attention to what, what they're doing right and what they're doing
1: wrong. Shogun was great, in my opinion. They followed that up with In Waves in 2011. The title track is one of their most popular songs to this day, with almost 70 million streams. I was personally never really a fan of it, though. Uh, Vengeance Falls would follow in 2013 and continued that every other album love for this band. <laughs> the title track is killer, along with To Believe, Villainy Thrives, and, of course, Strife. Strife's a really killer track. My personal favorite track is Wake, The End of, the
0: end of Nigh. You guys familiar with either of those albums, In Waves, Vengeance Falls... I mean, I'm kind of with you on "In Waves" as as far as the album, but if I'm being honest, man, I like the song, especially when I hear it live. Like it's, that shit goes over great, man. It's like fair, it's ha- hard to hate that song live. Yeah, like, you it's know, a little bit repetitive, but it's a cool song. You seen them live? Yeah, all right, all right. yeah. Seen Trivium them? is
1: yeah. I've seen them nine nine or ten times. Oh, no, like that I quite so. a few. Yeah, yeah. All right, they're fucking solid. All right. Solid. I met the band in a parking lot at one of their shows. I couldn't figure out where to pay and matt goes i just stuffed some money in that thing over there he's like <laughs> you can try that if you all get right. towed let me know all right this is back in probably oh seven or so so they were still pretty young then all right
0: yeah but uh honestly i never prior to this week i never listened to the album vengeance falls It <laughs> was one of the ones that i just missed i overlooked it uh i do like the album and strife is one of the standout songs strife's cool they continue to just walk that line between modern metal and, you know, a little bit of the throwback sound. And that that song is definitely a good example of that.
1: Yeah. Their seventh album would be 2015's Silence in the Snow. And I really have nothing to say about that album. <laughs> the Sin in the Sun <laughs> was album number eight, released in 2017, featuring uh, the title track uh, and two of their heavier songs. Uh, from the second half of the catalog anyway, and that's uh, Beyond Oblivion and Betrayer. The ninth studio album was the first time in their career they released back-to-back albums that I actually liked because 2020's What the Dead Men Say was also pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And Catastrophus is probably the most popular song from that. <laughs> that one. song's fucking brutal, dude.
0: Man, What the Dead man Say, honestly, I I don't know if it's my favorite album because... You got ascendancy, and it's hard to top that. Yeah, but what the dead man say is definitely the one I listen to the most. It's a sleeper that not many people talk about. It's a it's, really good album. It's it's actually really good. Like I, I went through a long period where I didn't pay much attention to Trivium, and that album dropped, and something about it like it just pulled you back in. Stood out, yeah. Uh, this one, uh, it's a good example of again, they're just they kind of like are honing everything in. That song kind of has a little bit of all of the other tricks from the old albums, mm-hmm. and they kind of put it all together. Just a good album and a good song.
1: And They're still releasing music in 2021. Their 10th album came out, In the Court of the Dragon. I'm honestly not super familiar with this album, but I did go back and listen to parts of it this week. It sounds pretty fucking great. I'm going to go back and give it a couple more spins, but they don't seem to have lost anything and just continue to evolve and hone that sound in.
0: They did play the title track in the Court of the Dragon when I saw them. I actually saw them at a really cool venue. I won't get all into it, but I saw them at Copper Tail Brewing. No, oh, okay. uh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, it was real cool. Yeah, and you know they were they were the headliner, and they just played with some local bands, and hm. it was fucking killer, man. And they played like a really nice mix of all of like old stuff, new stuff. They're one of the tightest bands I've ever heard live, and no, I are super I mean super that. clean like live. It, yeah. <laughs> these guys work hard like they practice a lot they rehearse a lot like from all accounts they're just a super regimented band that just you know they take their shit very seriously
2: oh yeah get some
0: i mean they've released 10 albums over the last two decades they've been a staple of the scene
1: they're kind of like metallica reborn but they never seem to get the recognition and respect that they truly deserve uh there's really no reason why this band hasn't blown up bigger uh, I had them pegged to be like festival headliners by now, but they still continue to be somewhere in the middle, and I don't quite understand that. Uh, maybe it was that every other album trend. However, those off albums were still a lot better than some other music that was being released, and were actually popular, regardless of my own personal opinion of them. Hmm. But I've always been a fan, and always will be. Love Trivium. Oh, yeah, get some.
2: Alrighty. Florida Bands. We got Swamp Ass and Orange Juice, Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, Casey and the Sunshine Band. And Limp Biscuit, Limp Biscuit, Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. Leonard fucking Skinner. All the death metals. But we're not talking about that today. Today, I chose Poison the Well, because I figured you guys would be into this one. Uh Metalcore, I guess you would say, from Miami. Started back in 97. They got five full-length albums and a couple of EPs. Uh... Their first album, The Opposite of December, A Season of Separation. This is some abrasive, angsty fucking stuff. Uh, Reminiscent of old uh, Inside Out, just that early, grimy, hardcore, just all piss and vinegar and shit. Uh, "Slice paper wrist off that album really reminds me of just the raw energy that was fucking coming out of the, the north but we got it down here in the South. And uh, these motherfuckers put us on the fucking map for that shit. What do you guys know about Poison the Well?
0: Really interesting that you mentioned the sound from the North, because when I listened to songs like Slice Paper Wrist, I think of Vision of Disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. New York hardcore. It's very hardcore. Yeah. Especially when it slows down at the 30 second mark. Like, There's so many different riffs and tempo (sighs) changes in this one song. It's... Probably my favorite song from that album. But yeah, man, it gave me total VOD vibes. Just
2: visceral, I guess is a good, just fucking, they're pit. I mean, you're fucking Florida, you wake up at 6 30 in the morning, swamp ass and old people <laughs> everywhere and shit, and, you know, fucking death metal left. What do you do? You start this fucking angry ass goddamn band. Not within arm's length. Brutal as fuck, very tight, very choppy. It's almost uh, claustrophobic in there a little bit. Uh, whoever produces shit was awesome. They were also very pissed. Somehow the producer was be angrily pressing the buttons, engineered a thing thing, and he's <laughs> pressing the fuck out of it. I love the production of fucking these guys. It's like I, sounds like battery acid. I,
0: I do like the production because it's it's got just enough polish on it where yeah. it doesn't sound like shit cuts through everything but sounds it, but it's-, it's got like <laughs> a raw like intensity to fucking it fire. Yeah. yeah yeah and it was interesting like you mentioned the claustrophobic thing what i got out of it was anxiety inducing like yeah, it's that, it's, uh, it's so like that yeah there's so much going on like it almost fucks with your brain a little bit mm-hmm. like yeah yeah, it I is, get that. it's
1: a bit of an overwhelming sound sometimes. Ah, yeah, It does give me anxiety. I
2: like it. Yeah. Um. But they do interesting things like the dual vocal harmony on Nerdy, which is yeah. one of their popular ones. It does sound like a couple of fucking nerds. But then it gets into this hardcore riffing, and it's like, oh, my, like the big brother showed up to beat the shit out of you. And it's got that fucking great stop. Right. I mean, they're just chugging along. It's breakneck speed, and you're like, uh, the end of the song is coming, guys. Just fucking stop on a dime. It's fucking beautiful. Those guys are tight as fuck, man.
0: Yeah, the the lead guitars, for sure, like, where it goes really high, it's got those really high melodies. I really like that sound. It's a, it's a pretty weird song overall. Mm. I don't dig the vocals on it too much. Like, I don't really like those clean vocals. They're not that great, but... um, Overall, I, yeah, I like, I like the song. I just, I, I like when Poison the Well sticks to the harsh vocals, honestly.
2: Well, they did the 10,000 fucking member lineup also. Uh, you Came Before You was their best album, I think. And the bass player on that, uh, was it uh, Jeffrey Bergman? I think that was the only one he was on. Had the awesomest fucking sound they ever had. It was so dirty and distorted. And uh, Love Ones has the cool bass riff in there. But the song The Realist, there's some really cool parts where it's just the bass and the drummer locked in this cool-ass fucking groove, and it goes into fucking teeth-kicking, fucking riffing and shit. But, man, these guys were fucking really cool. Um, Whenever you get the lineup change, it's going to change your sound and stuff, and it sucks that they didn't stick with this particular bass player. He probably went off and did some gnarly stuff. I looked into
0: it. I couldn't find nothing about the guy. But that guy was cool, man. Yeah, the realist—that was definitely Mm. one man. It just goes from like full-on chaotic dissonance to like just straight melody, (laughs) and it's it's kind of unexpected. The clean vocals got a lot better on this album, I think. Mm. Yeah, even though it does border a little bit on emo, but Mm. the (laughs) the overall vibe of the song, though, like it reminds me of Glassjaw. I don't know if you guys uh-huh. listen to their stuff yeah. at all. I, I'm a big fan of Glassjaw. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked that particular song. Uh, that that was definitely one of the standouts. Yeah, from man. That album. Uh, and then the uh, apathy is a cold body. They were definitely
2: channeling some tones big time on that shit. Again, different lineup and shit. You're going to change your sound. I guess somebody showed it, it was like, you ever heard Tones? And they were like, oh, we'll do that then. That sounds good. But they didn't do it in a sleep token way. No,
0: no. Nobody does anything in a fucking sleep token way. Yeah, I still think some of the similarities uh, to Glassjaw applied in yeah, that song. Yeah, that same well. kind of vibe. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I like it. And the bass tone in that song, like something about it was just so like deep and heavy. Like it sounded different. Uh, I mean, on that entire album, really. Mm. But it just had like this really deep crunch to it. Definitely different. Uh
2: Yeah, so they haven't released anything since oh9 They've done some reunion shows here and there, which the fans eat up. But uh, they're pretty much done though, which sucks because they were fucking cool and I really ain't got any information on the, the guys going off to do any other projects, which might have been because of the fucking lockdown with the virus and that fucked everybody's deal up. But uh they were a cool fucking band from Florida. Poison the Well. Uh Definitely put their stank on the metal course. I like their fucking energy in that scene more than the others but it's got that northern vibe with the florida hatred it's more hardcore
0: definitely leans more into the hardcore than the metal yeah mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way metalcore started out and then that's at some it point be. it like shifted and then it became like super formulaic mm-hmm. No, we're gonna we'll it's do a metalcore episode one day record labels were like <laughs> here we go abc go fucking yeah, we're man. gonna scream our balls off on the chorus. We're going to sing a pretty song to you. Uh, on- Here's Testament's catalog. Yeah. Memorize that. <laughs>
2: it, was, it was Jesse Leach's fault. Yeah. Well, well a little uh, bit. Well, I mean, we can't say it wasn't. Not maybe considered thinking about that would be the answer,
0: possibly. Hey, he did, yeah. he, he did it. Yeah, Brian Fair had you know? a hand in it, too. He mentioned Shadows Fall. Fucking yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, Brian yeah. Fair and Overcast and all those guys. Overcast. Are, uh, yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing, but it's just like anything you you can wear out. Any genre will eventually wear out. It's welcome. Someone's going to take it too far and you're going to get like a whole series of fucking copycats. That's just what happens. Mm. But I'm always going to love my metal core, man. Boys and Wells is a good one. All right. So the next band that we're going to talk about is a day to remember. And I bet. When Bobby had to listen to this, it was a day that he'd rather forget.
2: This proves I'm your friend. I listened to this shit and I'm still hanging out.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no. A Day to Remember were founded in 2003 by singer Jeremy McKinnon, guitarist Tom Denny, and Neil Westfall, bassist Joshua Woodard, and drummer Bobby Scruggs. They self-released an EP titled Halos for Heroes, Dirt for the Dead in 2004 and a self-titled demo in 2005 before finally catching the attention of Indianola Records, who released the band's debut album, and their name was Treason. They actually sold 10,000 copies of this album before they eventually signed with Victory Records. Oh, no shit. And they released their second album for those who have heart in 2007. And this album marked a significant change in the band's sound and definitely in the level of production because the first couple albums kind of sound like shit. It happens. Uh, the band were still heavy here, but they were clearly getting much better at writing hooks and seamlessly blending the pop punk with the metal core. Mm-hmm. This is the first album where they started to stand apart from the other bands in the scene. Uh, If you never listened to this album, check out The Danger in Starting a Fire. That's one of my favorites from that album. But if I'm being honest, they never caught my attention until their 2009 release with the album, which in many people's opinion, including mine, is the album that defined their career, Homesick. This is an album full of pit breakdowns and sing alongs. <laughs> oh yeah. The opening track is probably the perfect introduction to the band if you've never heard them before. Perfectly sums up what they do. What are you guys' thoughts on the opening track?
2: This is the most ding dong sing song shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you, Florida. <laughs>
0: What the fuck, The man. downfall of us all. Uh, it literally it, starts it, out with the band singing. It's fucking It's so stupid. It is, and I love it. You
1: I do. will tell you this: tell I me. was never a fan of this band. You I seen do. them live at Rockville, hmm? and just went over there to check them out. And this shit started playing, and I was like, "Holy! Was this the band that, like, out of cow. nowhere live? They were like super brutal heavy. He, it's one no, of that songs, was Blackville Brides. about but yeah, at live, these guys stood the toilet paper. People crowd surf on top of other people. Crowd surf, yeah, crazy energy and really cool. The downfall of us all, this song has like one of the most recognizable breakdowns. Oh, for sure. Of all time. In any but, song.
0: <laughs> what Justin's right. talking about is they actually crowd surf on top of a crowd surfer. So they stand on top of the crowd surfer and ah, ride them like a surfboard. Exactly. It's cool. like a signature thing that happens at pretty much every day to remember. So it's pretty fucking fun. I don't want to be let. the
2: surfboard. <laughs>
0: Fuck. No, that no. Yeah, no. sounds Hell terrible. No. <laughs> Thumbs up your butt and some dude
2: stepping on your dick hole. That sounds terrible.
0: But yeah, fun, definitely fun opener. Uh, This album also has a lot of the band's best songs, including Have Faith in Me and If It Means a Lot to You. Those songs are still staples at all of their live shows. You haven't experienced a true sing-along at a concert (laughs) until you've seen A Day to Remember play. It means a lot to you. This song, you will see big, fucking, burly, bearded men Mm -hmm. singing their hearts out and swaying back and forth to the music. And you'll look at them like, aren't you the guy that just welded the bumper of my dad's Chevy? Like, <laughs> are you over there crying with your son and You welded like, it with love. <laughs> God, man. Yeah, it'll make you do a double take, but that's the power that this band has. My favorite A Day to Remember song is on this album, and it's called Mr. Highway's Thinking About the <laughs> End. I love how heavy this one gets. Yes, I know. It's not heavy in the traditional sense. It's heavy for a day-to-remember song. Man, when they hit breakdowns, they are heavy. These These dudes, they're the masters of writing breakdowns. It's it's, it's,
2: it's, Mr. Highway's Thinking About the End is is a great example of, like, I really fucking hate the ding-dong parts. Obviously I do. But I wish there was an option where you could, like, cut those parts out and you still have, like, two, two and a half minutes worth of a decent song. But those other parts are there, and it's fucking terrible. And it's kind of like if your mom was talking to you about a used condom, like, I don't want to hear that shit. Like, if we could cut that (laughs) out, that'd be great. Like, you know how that fucking one band made the album, the the shitty death metal, but then they did it without the vocals too. Like, if they kicked out an album where they cut out
0: all the ding dong parts, this band band might
2: be like sort of
0: okay. Yeah, and I get it, man. Like, uh, if I'm being honest, I wasn't into this band when they first came out and at, at the height of their initial popularity because mm. I did not like that type of vocal. I don't know what it was, but something we were around too metal for this at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so something around uh, 2014, 2015, this band clicked for me right. and I, I fucking love it. i like the I like the blend of the lighthearted, just fun shit with the cool breakdowns. And this song has the single best mosh call I've ever heard. Disrespect your surroundings. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's so stupid. And it's it's fucking cool. Super viral, too. It's fucking cool. If you've seen my car, it's on my license plate. There's a little license plate cover that says "Live, Laugh, Disrespect Your Surroundings." Hell yeah! All right, it's fucking funny, man. It is. I laughed, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I made a noise
2: that was humorous and in- a um, funny
0: story, but uh, yeah, like I said, like these guys, they write the breakdowns like in such a way. It's not about beating the shit out of each other. It's you're having a good time in the fucking mosh pit with your buddies. You're bouncing. You're jumping around. You're mm-hmm. dancing. You're shoving lightheartedly. You're just having fun.
2: I'm not positive and I really don't want to call her out for this, but I'm pretty sure my fucking niece likes this band. But she's cool. She probably does. She's like 20 something ish. Well, were they a Warped Tour kind of band? Oh, yeah. These guys? Totally. Yeah, she probably, yeah. She's cool, though. So, number one, shout out to you. She rules. Their live experience is, like this is something else. Liked. And so I tried not to shit on it listening to it. And then you picked it. I tried to go in there and listen to and hear what you guys are hearing. Uh, It still was not awesome, but you know, it's
0: it's not for everybody, and that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this band is just as much Blink 182 as it is Kill Switch Engage, and that's like, that's the thing. It's not. not I was
2: gonna ask you guys, do you guys like Blink 182? Because I feel like that's kind of really, but do you like this? This is
0: what's funny. I I don't like Blink 182 in general, and I like this, but I, like I said, I don't know. It's one of those things where it hit me at the right time. I, I don't know what it was, well, but it, it it came to me at a time when I needed it. So And then I experienced them live. and I mean, the live I'm, thing. I, I'm, I get, I'm hooked you know? after that, you know? So, I mean, like, I was listening to it, and I
2: was like, somewhere someone at one point thought this band was the most brutal, heavy shit that existed, and I thought that was funny. But at the same time, fuck me, like,
0: that. if that gets
2: him into other cool shit. Well, yeah.
0: man, Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> it's so, unenjoyable for me. How many people listen to this? Like, they were fans of More pop than punk, three, I guess. Blink-182 and shit. Yeah, pop punk. And they got heavy into this band, and then they got older, and now they're fucking listening to Deathcore and Death Metal and stuff like that. You like, would hope. Uh, I'm sure it, that is the case for a lot of people, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know plenty of people that like this strictly for the pop punk stuff. Yeah. I like, okay, but uh, I like the are you
2: a fan of this band? <laughs> so... Like, I mean, it's no wrong answer. I like a it because you don't like punk or like
1: the hardcore, but you like this kind of stuff. I liked this band live and could never get into their recorded music until this past week and what had happened was see what had happened was <laughs> is, uh i was subjected to listening to poison the well oh i mean which i wasn't welcome. really a fan of good i'm glad and uh, i'm not a fan of their vocals the band i enjoy all right i mean so i followed I it, it. It's I, not I, gonna immediately, be great I immediately followed it up with a day to remember and i don't know what it was but this band clicked mm-hmm. right after that so if i am a fan it might be indirectly because of you bobby all right fucking
0: how ironic that. is that yeah. I? Uh, I fought the <laughs> urge to cut my wrist real hard while i was listening to poison uh,
1: something <laughs> it was giving me anxiety but this made yeah. me happy again and it was uh, you know and then i went to the, the show and happy at all it was cool and uh
2: i get no. not take about i thought about my niece and i love her and that made me happy
0: yeah man uh for me that that's that's what it's all about it's not don't get me wrong i love my angry fucking metal and mm. there's a time and a place for it but man i like to have fun man and when i go to this <laughs> show i have a good fucking time you can't not have fun at the i show. i have so it's, much fun. i feel
2: like i would have fun like i'm saying like yeah. i feel like my niece would go to this show and she's a fucking goofy shit and you know like i, I feel like the vibe would be
1: very uh, uppity and energy and absolutely everybody's in such a good mood that you can't help but also be in a good mood and enjoy it mm, yeah i'm not gonna so. enjoy the me i'll enjoy the vibe though. i, I think you would.
0: yeah he you, you probably it's I'll good it's a good group of people
1: energy drinks and
0: tacky T- dust and it, it's it's a funny uh mix of people because there's people there that that look like you with your fucking cannibal corpse shirt and your long hair i mean yeah but, you know i'm just saying like those there's those it's people, the metal tuxedo and then there's like the funny like hipster guys <laughs> right and they're all buds at this show and that's like that's what they did they took these two genres and they they forced them together when they shouldn't work right and they made them work okay. and, it, and and it is like a thing where you brought a couple of different movements together
2: well i support I cheers to the party let's make everybody fucking yeah the party. five like that.
1: million monthly listeners
0: they're bringing people to the scene fucking ain't shit so, so, more, so more than me it's yeah, funny. I got like two. We, we've only really? talked about the Breakthrough album here, but there's, you know, band did some other shit too. So after Homesick, they released What Separates Me From You in 2010. Awesomeness, that's what. And this one picks up right where Homesick left off. Starts yeah. out with a fucking heavy banger, Sticks and Bricks. That's another staple in their live shows. And to me, another album where there's really no bad songs on this album it's got all I want. This is the house that Doubt built and my favorite it's a cool you, name. You'll be Tails. I'll be Sonic. Cooler <laughs> name. I mean, that's <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> uh, the fan favorite, though, is definitely all signs point yeah. to Lauderdale. The most rom-com teen fucking anthem bullshit.
2: Ever. I, I, this was the worst of everything I heard. Really? It infuriated. You were like, oh, I like to listen to music No, this made me fucking mad. Like, I wanted to punch myself like jackass style. Oh,
1: this song made me so happy. Oh, no. This yeah. was fucking all signed. Fuck Fort Lauderdale. Fuck you. I didn't like it. Damn. Damn. Where did Fort Lauderdale hurt you? What a good,
0: <laughs> like, this song's got know, such a good the heart vibe. Goes, I
1: guess. <laughs> good answer.
0: It's got such a good vibe. It makes you uh, feel happy. Like, does it? Yeah. I didn't man. Feel that. It
2: immediately made me angry, and that pissed me off. So then I got furious. Well, guess what, man? I loathe this song. How about that? I used guess a fancy what? word to hate it.
0: All your friends don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they,
2: they do. All two of them. They give a combined fuck.
0: <laughs> Half but a look, fuck each. If we're being honest, man, yeah, not, be honest, It's not my favorite song. I didn't like that one. It's got a lot of energy I, I behind like it, though. It. There's and, so much energy, and I don't want. And no. when they mm-hmm. play it live, it. It goes over really well. People love it. The power of positivity is not with Bobby, Mm-mm. but I get it, man. That's I, cool. though I get it too. I, I have. I totally understand why this band's not for you. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's actually all the same reasons that it wasn't for me when I first heard it. You know, that's just how it was. But and it's a bit much. Um, over the years, you you know, we evolve in different ways and different things that we thought <laughs> we wouldn't like, we end up liking and become <laughs> worse. Um. <laughs> it's a matter of opinion though like um, yeah, there's probably but, some shit that you listen to today that you're like oh man oh man like you know 23 year old me would have hated this like for me like <laughs> yeah yeah for sure like, yeah. I, I started mm-hmm. getting into like some black metal and stuff mm-hmm. and i'm like man like when i was in high school i would have clowned on this shit so hard like it's so fucking cheesy and over the top i i used to like think that shit was ridiculous like But, you know. I don't know.
2: I I grew up on disco. Everybody did shit my whole life. I don't give a fuck. I listen to weird shit. Yeah, man. You change
0: over the years. You know, I get it. Still like disco. But um, so around the time this album came out, the band actually got into a kind of a messy lawsuit with Uh Victory Records. Ah. Uh, They actually sued Victory Records for breach of contract. It's not the type of thing I normally would talk about on the show because it's drama and Mm -hmm. I don't really care. Right. But Mm -hmm. I bring it up. Because it's important to note that they won their lawsuit against Victory Records and they won the right to self-release their next album, Common oh, Courtesy. Yeah, uh, own your own shit, man. I that's don't cool. know enough about Victory Records to comment, but I've heard some shit over the years. that they. If you're were, trying to is, own
2: somebody's shit more than them, that's a dig move and I don't, I don't support that. Yeah,
0: I've heard some things over the years. I get they so. were dumb and they sold it, but
2: that's their, they made that. It's your fucking thing, man. So Whoever made it, it belongs to you.
0: Common Courtesy came out in 2013 It ended up being one of the best albums that the band ever released. It's got the pop punk anthems like City of Ocala and Right Back at It Again, but it's also got those bangers like Dead and Buried and Violence, which violence might be one you could tolerate. It has Mm -hmm. no clean vocals in it. Mm -hmm. And there's also deep cuts on this one, like The Document Speaks for Itself. I don't know if you guys have heard that one. All right. Um, Let me talk about
2: that song now. I've been shitting on the band so far, but
0: check this out. So, Document Speaks
2: for Itself is a cool fucking title. I like that kind of shit. Uh, but it has some really cool drum parts during the sing song bit. He's doing some nice, clean snare rolls back there, kind of military style. I don't know, maybe his drum corps or something. But he does a lot of cool, subtle changes to the groove throughout the songs. Drummer's cool. He does like, uh, he'll do the standard punk beat. But then he'll take out one of the kicks and hit the snare and said, almost like uh, cool Melvin's kind of Dale Crover weird odd timing shit. I really like that dude. And his fucking fills are clean as fuck. So yeah, I listened to it.
0: So yeah, so it sounds like if if some of the vocals were different, you might give this stuff a little bit more of a chance. Well
2: it's not always the vocals, but I always say the sing song ding dong part, like that part, that weird chorus they do that fucking three chord change. It's, I don't like that part of the fucking song. If you can like I said, if you edited it, if you gave me an editor and I can cut out like a good forty five seconds of these you get a good two, two and a half minute long yeah. fucking cooler fucking band. You know what I'm saying? Fuck yeah. that shit. But now we gotta hear it. And I get that, that you know, that's the one that's getting all the fucking numbers and all the fans and stuff is the, those parts. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, there's a place for it. You know, I, I understand that, a, you know, a person like you, like you're not a vocal guy. So mm. it doesn't it doesn't jump out at you. But
2: you're not going to win me over and with vocals
0: balls. and lyrics yeah. for a lot of us. You know, it's 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 a big part of the song. It's not the whole song, but it's definitely important.
2: Hmm. But yeah, drummer's fucking doing cool shit.
0: So the band uh, released. Bad Vibrations in 2016. Not necessarily one of my favorite albums by the band. It's got some good jams on it. It's got the title track, Bad Vibrations, Exposed. Justified is my favorite song on that album. And then there are songs I really don't care for at all, like the closing track in Florida. I mm-hmm. felt like it was like uh-huh. not a great way to close the yeah. album. I, I don't know. What would you guys think of choosing that song as yeah, the closer? I That's
2: I that, like that they shout out a bunch of shit about Florida and stuff all the time,
1: but yeah, it was
0: pretty fucking weak, dude. Yeah. That's it's
1: it's, a, a low point. The song was kind of lame.
0: We're <laughs> 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 being honest. I mean, I like these guys, but uh, you can't always win. Doesn't represent Florida's wildness. You know what I mean? No, nah, that was the one where they needed the breakdowns and the crazy I mean, you shit, you know? Like mm-hmm. a, I mean,
2: it's fucking Florida, man. Yeah. We're fucking super
0: dumb. So uh, their, their most recent album is titled You're Welcome, <laughs> no it doesn't have a cameo from the rock (laughs) (laughs) all right this album had mixed reactions from the fans probably the least heavy album that they ever made but when they do go heavy they do it right and one of my favorite songs from a day to remember is on this album and it's called last chance to dance have you guys heard this song yeah, before this week, this was one of the few a day to remember songs
1: that I could listen to on record and really enjoyed. So it's it's I fucking it's love so this good, song, man. man.
0: I fucking love it. Bobby's quiet. That's not a good sign. Yeah. He he a good he sign. He this one didn't win him over either. I'm so. Not a fan.
2: Nah. It, there was no winning me over. I just tried to enjoy the drums as much as I could. Hey. Next time a day to remember is in Central Florida, we got to go. I'm gonna call my niece and see if she's into it, and we'll all go have a good all time. Right. Sounds like a all good time.
0: Right. Either way, man, I appreciate you, you know, listening and sticking it out for uh, us. Man. It means a lot. I mean, hey, it's fucking bands from Florida. You
2: know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I don't like Marilyn Manson, but he's from Florida. Maybe Lim you Biscuit just don't like Florida. You don't, fucking,
0: you don't like the Ocala bands? We'll we'll continue. <laughs> possibly Miami's where I, I'm at. I guess. Yeah. So we mentioned it, but you know, I I love this band. I love their live shows. They're some of my favorite shows to attend. And there is something about this band. I can put it on when I'm in a shitty mood. and makes me feel good. Sorry it has the opposite effect on you, Bobby. Nah, me too. But man, uh, I love Data Remember. And I know that's not always a cool thing to say when you're a metalhead. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure it. there's people listening that are, you know, you're more of the elitist type and you're probably like, oh, do you, you know what? Remember, Fuck it's you. not metal. But Rock you know kid. what? I My like buddy what I like. This shitty band, go eat shit. I like what I like. So, <laughs> there you go, right? Man, this is a good band, and I've had some good times at their shows. Oh man, they check do- out a day to remember. Killer live show, man! You can't deny the live show. So I think Justin has a band that's from the same hometown, Ocala, Florida, New. <laughs> now you say Ocala, Ocala, <laughs> <Oklahoma, laughs> baby, Ocala, Florida,
1: no. Ocala, Florida. New Metalcore formed in 2010. We're talking about Wage War. They were originally called empires, though. Uh, they went through lineup changes in 2013 with Chris Gaylord replacing Jordan Pierce on bass and Stephen all right, replacing David Rao on drums. Britton Bond handles lead Breton. vocals with Seth Blake on lead guitar and Cody Quinstead on rhythm guitar. Sure. He also handles most of their clean vocals. So if you mm-hmm. don't like the cleans, you're probably mad at Cody.
0: I'm probably oh, mad yeah, at Cody. <laughs> Yeah. Bobby's mad at Cody for I'm, sure. I'm Before we everybody. get too far in, I think it's it's cool to tie this in. Because if you guys don't know this. Oh, here we go. Well, I'm sure you don't. I don't. Um, Data, remember. So they haven't put an album out in a while. But they did have a standalone single called Miracle. And Cody Quissad was a co-writer on that song. I
2: actually listened to him because of this fucking shit, yes. Yeah, I did not cool. know it was the same guy,
0: though. Uh, Cody actually does a lot of co-writes for a lot of bands, and I'm sorry, Justin, if you already had this in, in, in your good. notes. Go ahead. No. Uh, but one of those bands is falling in reverse. Uh-huh. He's did a lot of writing for Mr. Ronnie Radke. Yeah,
1: it's not all Ronnie's genius there. There's this guy named Cody behind it all that's... Uh, He's producing a lot of stuff too. So I
2: like that you always give him guff about the fucking Fallen Reverse and then he comes with the goddamn stats
1: on hey, it. It <laughs> is what it is, buddy. You know what I mean? That's Hey, man, uh, fact I like check. Ways war. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, they released their debut album, Blueprints, in 2015. The River and Alive are two of the bigger tracks from that album. I'm admittedly not super familiar with this album, though. Have you guys heard anything off that album? Mm-mm.
0: Basic Hates, another track on that album yeah basic hate it's definitely when the band were a lot more metalcore they hadn't really incorporated the more alternative stuff into their music yet it's a little bit more technical Mm -hmm. but they weren't the songwriters that they were going to become yet and that happens they didn't have like the hooks and stuff that we associate with wage war now
2: yeah, the the basic hate after the sing song bit, it kind of goes progressive metal and then gets pretty brutal. And I don't really remember them ever doing any other kind of progressive metal stuff, except for in the early days.
0: And, right. They changed quite a bit mm. after that album. I think the band was a little heavier here. Uh,
1: and the cleans are a little whiny to me here. Mm. So, so I think they kind of contrasted a little bit too much and they would blend much. these styles a little bit better. That's the same album with Gravity right no gravity's the next album gravity's on 2017's dead weight
2: mm, yeah uh these guys got a kind of an interesting sound like it's kind of fear factory meets like lamb of god and then they kind of got a little bit of the ding dong singing in there but they go back to the cool shit real quick like they're very in and out of the ding dongery which makes me <laughs> think like do they even like that shit like it, it
0: ding-dongery like you can easily <laughs> edit
2: their shit out really fucking well and then have like a cool like you know fucking fear factory junior band uh, but uh, like they're fucking they get to the part, ding-dong done back to the cool shit and you're like what the, why did you even have it like and it's almost like is it just like a marketable thing it seems as a songwriter that they wrote a whole song and then the director the label was like nah, we need the ding-dong parts I'm like all right we'll just chop uh-huh. it right
0: there you go real quick there you go that's all we're doing I think they like the ding-dongery. But it's so
2: I, short, and 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 it just it's not the focus of the song. The song is all about the fucking cool, heavy shit, and then it's just, a, a, here's your fucking obligatory sing-along, here you go, and back to the cool shit. So I, I thought I that it was weird. Was,
0: yeah, I think it's what they're into. I mean, I would have to imagine, I, I don't have to totally imagine, I mm-hmm. know that they're buds with a date. Right. remember they grew up in the same town. They work on each other's albums and whatnot. Like,
2: okay, like the same thing, but uh they remember their ding dong parts are way longer and more emphasized. Like
0: that was the part I think. Whereas it, the way more uh, is the opposite of. It may have to do with the live show because Cody's the okay. lead guitar player, and maybe he doesn't want to spend that much time on the mic. Yeah, you know that's the thing. Like, okay, that, uh, that's the that thing when be... you're in a band
2: and you're like, "What song do you want to play? The one I don't fucking yeah. sing on. You, you play the one you sing on, and." And then I'll play mine later. I mean, for me, it's like, hard to sing
0: and play. Their live I, show gets heavier than what they're uh, But right? I think, I, I mean, dude, I think Cody's one hell of a clean singer, man. Like, I do too, especially, the dude, especially as the albums have progressed. He looks like the cook from your local Waffle House. Like, it's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> okay, And then this sound comes out of him and you're like, what? Like, why is fucking Joe Diffie singing to me in a beautiful emo voice? Like, where's this coming from? And that song you mentioned, "Gravity," it's it's basically all clean. Like That's very much very much a, a ballad there. It like is I see, super Cody, soft. I'm gonna prop him I'm trying up. To tough it up at the end, but what do you? I'm doing? gonna prop him up beside the jukebox when he dies. <laughs> you guys don't even know that. No, joke. I don't. All right. What
2: are
1: you doing, propping up dead people by a jukebox? I'll explain it later. Naked. <laughs> pressure would be released in 2019 uh this is when the band really started to get some traction uh, low is the standout track on mm-hmm. that album very fear factory on that one uh like the basic formula they do is
2: you know brutal staccato chuggy fear factory types riffs and then they'll go into your ding dongery and they'll fucking in and out and then we're back to the cool shit uh, i don't know man it, it throws me off like why the fuck did you even have the shit in there like can you just make an album where you cut that shit out you know what i'm saying like oh man some of us like that
0: stuff
1: yeah, we like we like some of that sing tong sing song ding ding what do you dong-ery. say ding dongery there you go yeah, we like that stuff man don't
0: keep on telling me that i'm not gonna pull through when you don't know low like i do mm, all
1: right man it's a killer fucking song all right
0: I think that album is where they really started to hone in their sound, though. I feel it deep in my emotional heart, man. Mm. I feel it. All right. You touched me, Cody. (laughs) The fourth...
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Wage War is still pretty new. Uh, Their fourth and most recent album came out in 2021. It was titled Manic. Uh, Even though I had heard songs here and there from them before, this is honestly really where they caught my attention, uh, they really put everything together here, uh, cleaned up the overall sound, made it all blend together much better, and it's led by the ti- uh, led by tracks like "Circle," "Circle the Drain," "Godspeed," "Manic," "High Horse," and "Death Roll." Uh,
2: high Horse is pretty cool. It's got no fucking cleans, and it goes in that weird four on the floor stomp groove. I like that. Was pretty good, but Death Roll. Yep. Was pretty cool. It's got the gator finishing move. I guess that's the topic of the song, you know, death roll. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's got a little bit of technical fruit noodling. And then the final groove had that subtle gator growl that was pretty. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If a gator. I don't you know. What does a gator sound like? What I just did? Whatever.
0: But that was fucking neat. Death rolls fucking hard, Gator roars man. and metal. Yeah. I like that shit. Alarm clock riffs right to the face. Man. Yeah, from man. the second the song starts out. But uh, the actual song, Manic, I fucking hated that
2: one. It was very new metal pop rock. and it. But it seems like that would be like the crowd pleaser banger one. Like when I was listening to it, I was like, the crowd probably goes nuts at that one. And it's like,
0: fuck you, old man. BMFM. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the crowd. Yeah. And I am pleased. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Manic. I, right? I, I love this album. That's when I'm going to go get a beard during that song. That's the that's the part of the album where the band shows that they can write a fucking hit. Mm. It blends a little bit of a hint of new metal, like Bobby said. It's not; a, it's a lot of it's damn it is, good yep. new metal, and I'm here for it's it. It's like of new, new metal chords, this genre that they're leading the front
1: of, and with like I Prevail and From Ashes to New and all these bands, like they're bringing this whole new freshness to metalcore and blending, I, blending
0: styles. I feel like with Wage War, they have not abandon their core sound no they've tweaked it enough to where they stay heavier than they are going to appeal to more people than they did before yeah yeah but you know even okay so like a song like high horse like bobby said there's no clean vocals in that Mm -hmm. no when they scream high horse live and the whole place gets bouncing like shit bro yeah i'm guessing they probably paint in the middle probably yeah Yeah.
2: that's it that's a that's the middle of the set
0: right before the breakdown Caught the scent. Took the bait. Now the hunter is the prey. Like, yeah, and then, dude. K- ah, simple. Killer. Catchy. The mosh pit's about to open up. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's exploding at that point. It's fucking great.
1: Yeah, I would go see Wade Tour. They're fun, man. I'm, They're uh, really good live. I'm excited to see where they go with this fifth album. You uh, are
0: right with the cleans. They're in and out with it. But I don't think it's obligatory. Like, they think they need it. I think it is... I think it's the type of music they grew up with and they mm. wanted in there. But I do think that it's probably like... Cody's like, bro, I'm trying to play guitar, man.
2: Like, right, I, yeah, don't yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, and uh, I've
0: noticed as the band has progressed, the lead singer, uh, Britton, is doing a little bit more of the... I'm not going to say cleans because he can't do what Cody does. He does do some cleans now, though, over but the past yeah, couple of hours. Yeah, not cleans in the traditional sense... But, yeah, he's changing his vocal approach enough where, okay, like, uh, we can understand him. He's, right, you know, um, yeah, it, I, I think that this band hasn't done everything they're going to do yet. And I think oh, Justin's right. There you go. The like next that. album is going to be. It's going to be the one. It's going to be I'm like a major breakthrough, yeah. I think. All
1: right. And
2: I suppose we'll put that on the spotlight then. It'll be on the spotlight. Sure, all
1: right. That comes out. Wage War from ocala florida oh, also fucking, yeah.
0: great name and i'm really glad they changed the name from empire's, empires was fucking yeah. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. The, that's like, a definite wage war like that's a badass name yeah, nice. I, I like that yeah
2: whereas i like burn the priest better than lamb of god oh, i mean yeah, sometimes yeah. you don't always win with
0: the fucking names
1: yeah you wouldn't
0: be headlining festivals with a name like burn the priest most likely though but
1: then again with a band name like lamb of god you get these churches that don't pay attention and they end up using their logo and giving them free publicity so that's great
0: bro we were totally walking around lake mirror one night and some dude was out there like uh you know trying to tell people about jesus and stuff they had lamb of god stickers and i had a lamb of god shirt on and i was like hey man you're preaching to the converted look lamb of god and he's like oh yeah cool man (laughs) he was all excited
2: So, I chose Torch as one of my bands. Stoner Sludge Metal from Miami. Apparently, I like the Miami stuff. Uh, started in 2005. They got five full length albums, uh, four EPs, three splits. Their last album was their final one. Uh, Steve Brooks and Juan Montoya are the guys from uh, Torch, but they used to be in a band a long time ago. It was a band called Cavity, and they are notorious for Stoner doom. And then they broke up that band and they started floor. And then that was another cool Stoner doom fucking band. A lot of cool people in that band. Uh, Jason Landry from black Cobra was in that band. And then, so those two guys left and started torch. That's where we're starting off today. Um, now when they first started, I saw them very early when they started off, uh, uh, the sword had just released their first album two months prior and they were direct support for torch so uh, I didn't really know much about Taurus, I was There for the Sword to go see them. And they started off like any other stoner metal band uh, with a bit of melodic punk elements. And, uh, you know, I was I was a casual fan, I guess. But uh, as they kicked out more albums and stuff and they just kind of picking up uh, speed and uh, notoriety and stuff, you know, you pay more attention. And eventually they ended up. Changing the direction of their sound and becoming one of the tightest, cleanest sounding bands in the genre. Uh, Normally you get that dirty vibe that everybody strives for in the Stoner Rock stuff. But these guys, it's almost like they sucked all the air out of like the distortion and stuff in their uh, production. And it just sounded really fucking cool. Uh, vocally, the dude does very interesting things. He goes in a different direction than I would ever imagine with the fucking riff. And I always think that's fucking very interesting. The song Safe, off their first album, has such an awesome sludgy grind to it. Uh, The galloping drums, big fat bass, and the sick distortion and stuff. But then he comes in with these, it's almost clean vocals, with that melodic punk rock vibe, and it just changes the whole fucking uh, element of it. You guys get into torch at all over this project?
0: Yeah, I mean definitely on safe, that was the drums are what stood out. Mm. I was I was impressed. I was yeah. That's definitely what stood out to me. The production is still you know, well, this I, is early I, on. Like I said, he started out just yeah. another
2: fucking stoner rock band, kind of.
0: Yeah, and that's like that's kind of the standard style of production. For mm. I There's even that a, kind of, a of grungy
1: vibe to it. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Uh,
2: that alternative uh, feel to it. I know you guys weren't big into whores. Uh, that was more of this of uh, noise rock, and this is more of the stoner metal. But it still has that big fat distortion of uh, Vampiro mm-hmm. off their uh, next album has that crazy. Heavy fucking riff, but with those clean vocals, and it, it's almost like if Weezer was brutal.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah, how
2: yeah. I could describe Torch. Like, what is Torch? Uh, if like Weezer it? was brutal. If Weezer was that. brutal.
0: Torch. Yeah, definitely. Like, I really love the choppy guitar riff in the beginning, and the more the like the higher melodic guitar mm-hmm. part really stood out to me it it stands out more with that fat
2: fuzzy low end stuff if you can get like a cool high on the vocals it it, it just cuts through the fucking thing a little better man yeah i i mean i think
0: ultimately i needed more drugs for this song like this guy's mm, talking about that's the that's the genre yeah he's talking about harry Carey, missionary vampires own the night mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck harry Carey, missionary uh, the oh, guitar man. solo though it's beautiful in this song it's just beautiful i don't know how else to say it i i love the guitar solo in this song
2: such a weird sound they have and they go in these cool fucking directions uh meanderthal their third album was uh, I guess the the last album of that particular sound where they were still kind of sloppy and dirty, but the song Healer is badass. Probably one of their more approachable songs for the uninitiated. Uh, It's pretty fucking catchy. Um, This is probably, uh, you know, it's stoner metal, so it's a little odd for your uh, average metal listener, but it's still catchy and the, the vocals are clean and it's got cool hooks and stuff like... I mean, this ain't like whore. Whores ain't for everybody. I get that. You know, they're called fucking whores. They get it. (laughs) But Torch, man, I feel like they should have been a little bit bigger, man. I mean, they made a fucking stamp on the goddamn scene, but I feel like they were, uh, they should have done more. Like, they, they could have been bigger than they are, man, and
0: yeah uh speaking as the uninitiated you guys said you never heard of yeah i had never heard them i I Uh, I thought they were big enough that you guys had heard like shit Mm -hmm. Mm yeah as as the uninitiated i totally see what you're saying there's there's a big shift in the production sound it's cleaner Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean it definitely for me is a little bit more pleasing to my ears the guitar work is beautiful uh super just spacey atmospheric sounds and uh like I I could put this shit on and go to sleep, man. Like it's, Mm. it's just, it's got like a really chill vibe It's chill. It's not the
2: dismal bummer hatred of doom or that weird Mm -hmm. over the top swagger, rock and roll stoner ride. It was just, it's heavy as fuck, but it's chill. Like, like even the delivery of the vocals is kind of, it's not over. It's not a lot of energy, but it's, I don't know. Um, You
1: definitely heard the progression. Sky
2: Trials. That was a cool song when they were headed in their new sound. Like, they had this weird-ass riff, and then it's almost like Zappa meets Rush, and then goes into that groove with the great fuzzy distortion. Like... I don't know, they had the the, the sludgy, dirty, filthy stoner rock sound, and I don't know if it was the sound guy, but just out of nowhere, they decided to go in this other fucking direction. Let's clean it up. Let's, let's just fucking tighten up the whole fucking sound. It's not fuzzy, it's almost buzzy, but it still has that same, you know, stoned out effort, but with this clean fucking, uh, I don't know, uh like when nerds grow weed they you know they go to the science of it and we need to get this water and this soil and we'll make the <laughs> fucking medical you know what i'm saying as opposed to just some ding dongs who like we got some seeds and some dirt you know what i'm saying like they went in they went they they studied their craft they leveled up as musicians their 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 song creating just fucking leveled up and they became this way better band and then now they're not abandoned, like they fucking stopped doing shit uh they called it quits. I would like to fucking got more out of them to see where they were going. I was lucky to see them on their first tour. And I saw them right before the pandemic where they had this new sound. And they fucking sound like that shit live. They were tighter live. They like you could just look at them and see the maturity as performers. Uh, their set list was awesome. Just this fucking sound. They got the better equipment. Uh, it was just really neat to kind of see a band from the beginning and the end and see the progression. And uh, it's weird that you guys never heard of them. But in that scene, they're fucking known. They made a good fucking impact, especially because of their weird sound change. They started out like everybody else, made that cool fucking change. Um, I looked into it. I don't really know what everybody else is doing nowadays. But like I said, they were in those previous bands, Cavity and Floor, which spawned many other fucking bands. So I'm sure they're out there fucking working and and finding something cool to do but uh yeah man cheers to fucking torch that definitely made an impact on the scene and uh thanks for representing florida in said scene man fucking cheers all right so yeah everybody there's some bands from florida uh we kick out all kinds of different gnarly noises and shit so uh if we forgot anything that you want to talk about let us know about some cool bands you know from florida and yes eventually we will get to death metal Mm. i fucking promise I'll come back
0: from the fucking dead to talk about death metal. I mean, that might make the episode. A. All right, everyone. That is our show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed our discussion on bands from Florida. I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram at two metal for this and leave us some feedback or drop your own six list in the comments section. And we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. We will be discussing System of a Down's entire discography. Oh, yeah. Don't want to miss this one. All right, cool. I'll be there. I hope so. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep it metal and rage with respect. Mm.
2: Uh, The band was The Pilot In You. The Pilot In You. That's a stupid fucking name.
0: Are you sure it's not The Plot In You? Because that's a band I've heard of, and Son I've of never a bitch. heard of the pilot in
1: you. Son of a bitch. So we're just going to run with the pilot in you. Uh, yeah, the, I like The, it, the, the plot in you is still a dumb name also. The plot in you. Yeah. It, it is. So do you want to cut me off again and say, wait a second, is it the plot in nah, you? No, nah, I just thought the name was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the other band
0: was Mike's Dead.
1: Mike's Dead, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Is it
0: Mike, like the guy's name? Or is like it the microphone's yeah. dead? M
1: I M I K E. Right, uh, Mike's dead. M-I-K. Fuck that guy.
0: Been cooler if it was the microphone, I think.
2: But yeah, the fucking the plot inside the pilot. Those are dumb names, all right. Indian handcrafts.
1: Corey Taylor will. Re- Corey, yep. God, it's Corey motherfucking Taylor. Oh, nope, there's only one motherfucking here. <laughs> Goddamn
0: right.
1: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Maybe you should get in a Twitter war with Corey Taylor about who owns the motherfucking name. I (laughs) fucking should. You stole
2: my middle name, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Fight you for it, like the Highlander.
1: (laughs) Corey Taylor will... God, why can I not? Corey Taylor will. Why is that so hard? Corey Taylor will release a new solo album. Oh, my God. Mm, Here we go.
0: You're in pain. I mean, you're stumbling
1: because of your foot. (laughs) It's got a bad foot people it can't pronounce things. <sighs> <laughs> Corey Taylor will release a new solo titled album. <laughs> Fucking shit. Son of a bitch. Corey Taylor got a new album out, self-titled. So yep. Mm-hmm.